as I began all this study for the Holy Spirit series, God just really impressed upon me. Start with Jesus. What did Jesus have to say about the Holy Spirit? So all six of these lessons are going to be launched from John 14 through 16. So you might want to be opening your Bibles there right now. And I'm going to start with a story of a shepherd. He's out in a pasture with a huge flock of sheep. And this very expensive SUV drives up and parks. And a guy gets out. He's got on a $3,000 European suit. He's got on a $1,000 pair of Italian leather loafers. He's got on the French uh, silk tie, the whole look. And he says, hey, if I can tell you how many sheep you've got in this pasture, can I have one? Well, the shepherd's got a lot of sheep. He says, yeah. So this guy gets out his smartphone, immediately gets on the internet, gets on a NASA page, hooks into a GPS satellite. He's got a uh, screen in his dash that starts putting out about 50 Excel spreadsheets and a printer that prints out a 150-page report that he studies and analyzes for about 15 or 20 minutes and finally says, you've got exactly 1,586 sheep in this pasture. And a shepherd goes, you're right. And you can have one. So he goes, he gets an animal, puts in his car. But before he leaves, the shepherd says, now, if I can tell you what you do for a living, can I get my animal back? He said, yeah. He said, you're a business consultant, aren't you? The man said, that's right. How did you know? And the shepherd said, it wasn't hard. In the first place, you show up here without being asked. In the second place, you want to get paid for telling me what I already know. And in the third place, you don't know anything about my business because you got my dog in your car. Now, <laughs> the point is, we've never lived in a time in history where we have more information. We are inundated with information, and the world's still broken. Information is not producing transformation. we got a lot of knowledge, but we don't seem to have a lot of wisdom. And maybe what's most wrong is that we can't seem to agree on what is most right. And this is one more reason why Jesus was so eager to send the parting gift. Look with me at John 14. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. So I read these three chapters over and over to prepare for this series. And the term that Jesus uses to describe the Holy Spirit more than any other is advocate or helper. But the name that Jesus uses is the Spirit of Truth. And I pondered that because he could have just as well said the Spirit of joy, the Spirit of peace, the Spirit of love, the Spirit of holiness. Or as Paul liked to say, the Spirit of Christ. But what Jesus did consistently is referred to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of truth. Why? Well, the truth is, we need truth help. The Holy Spirit has come to help us, and the area where we seem to need the most help is truth. 
Because we live in an age that would rather be politically correct than correct. And here's the problem with that. You can be absolutely sincere and sincerely wrong. I don't want a doctor that says it doesn't matter what kind of medicine you take as long as you think it'll make you better. I don't want someone to say it doesn't matter what road you go down to get to the emergency room as long as you think it'll get you there. There are some areas and arenas in life where I need truth. And in the most important arenas, it would help if we know what God thought. And to do that, we need some help. And so, I'm going to read to you a long passage that's going to help you understand why some people grasp the truth of God and some don't. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse 10. But God has shown us these things through the Spirit. The Spirit searches out all things, even the deep secrets of God. Who knows the thoughts that another person has? Only a person's spirit that lives within him knows his thoughts. It's the same with God. No one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we did not receive the Spirit of the world, but we received the Spirit that is from God so that we can know all that God has given us. And we speak about these things, not with words taught us by human wisdom, but with words taught us by the Spirit. And so... We explain spiritual truths to spiritual people. Now, a person who does not have the Spirit does not accept the truths that come from the Spirit of God. That person thinks they are foolish and cannot understand them because they can only be judged to be true by the Spirit. And this helps to explain why some People can grasp the mind of God and others are in a fog. Do you realize, do you grasp the enormity of this gift that Jesus has given us? The capacity to understand the thoughts of God. We can stop the sermon right now and you ought to be happy. That we have the capacity to discern the mind of God because we've been given the Spirit of God. This is why the Holy Spirit can never be considered just an optional extra for a small little subset of Christians. Because we need truth help. And the Holy Spirit reveals the truth of God. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. And so again, Jesus says, John 16, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Now that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is going to help you on your physics exam. It means that everything you need to grasp and understand to become the person God has called you to be, the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to you. Now, how does he do that? Two ways. Number one, the Spirit helps us 
hear the truth. And how does he do that? Well, I'm sure there are more ways that I'm going to mention, but I'm going to mention what I think are the three main ways he does. And the first is the most obvious. The Holy Spirit helps us read the Bible. Now, at this church, we believe that the Holy Spirit is the author of the Scriptures. I believe the Scriptures claim that for themselves. In 2 Timothy, it says, all Scripture is God-breathed. That word breath or wind or spirit means that these Scriptures are the very product of the Spirit of God ushering from the mind of God. Twice, then, in the book of Hebrews, for example, before the author quotes a passage of the Bible, he says, the Holy Spirit says. That when you read Scripture, you're reading what the Holy Spirit says. Peter says that the authors of the Scriptures didn't just make this stuff up in their heads, but they wrote as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, that's very important to know because some people say, well, I just want to hear from the Spirit. Well, are you listening to what He's already said? Are you in the Word? Because the Holy Spirit is never going to contradict what he's already written. And that's very important because I've talked to so many people that want to justify behavior that is contrary to the Bible. And they'll say, well, the Holy Spirit just led me. And they wind up in disasters. The Holy Spirit is not dumb insurance. You need to study and read and obey your Bible. And what the Holy Spirit is going to do is help you to discover and to possess the gold mine of truth that is in the Bible. Now, here's why that's important. If you don't ask for the Holy Spirit's help to read the Bible, all you are going to do is just reinforce your own prejudices. You're going to go to the Bible with what you already think, and you're going to find the Bible agreeing with you. And that's not Bible study. The Holy Spirit that inspired the authors can also translate for the readers so that we can get past assumption and tradition and hear the deep truths of God. So let me encourage you to try something. Before you read your Bible, take a moment, be still and quiet, and just say, Lord, Through the ministry of your Holy Spirit, help me today to better understand your truth. I like how David put it in Psalm 119. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. One thing I've learned about people that grow in fellowship of the Holy Spirit, they have an increased appetite for the Word of God. It's one of the surest signs that you are becoming more spirit-filled is your hunger to be in the Word. And this is one way the Spirit helps us to hear the truth. Now, another way the Spirit helps us hear the truth is that the Holy Spirit has the ministry in each of us of being what I would call an internal lie detector. Because here's the thing about the devil. He's the father of lies. That is his business. He traffics in deception. What are the first words of the devil in the Bible? Did God really say? 
So what happens when you're in the flow of the Holy Spirit is you start to hear ideas and thoughts and this internal truth alarm goes off inside that says, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound like Jesus. And this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And this internal teaching ministry is promised to every single believer. That's why John says in 1 John 2, you've received the Holy Spirit and He lives within you. And so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what He teaches is true. It's not a lie. Now, John is not rebuking human teachers. John was a teacher and the Spirit gifts people to teach and preach in the body. He's not rebuking human teachers. He's rebuking a dependence on human teaching. He's confronting this idea that only some people can hear from God and the rest just have to depend on what they think. Maybe this illustration will help. Last summer, my youngest son got me to go with him for a while to this torture chamber called a CrossFit gym. (laughs) And so we went for a while. He loved it. I didn't. Let's be honest. At my age, do I really need to learn to do upside-down push-ups? And the people in these gyms, they're just radical. And I told one of them one day, you people are like a cult. And he said, we're not a cult. Our leader said so. Okay. (laughs) I'm having a little fun with them, but here's the point. If you study how cults operate, there's always a leader who says to everyone else, I hear from God and I will tell you what God wants you to know. And so if you need the truth, you come to me. And John is saying that's not how it operates in the kingdom of God. That we all have access to the truth of God because we all have the internal teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will guide our thoughts toward the truth of Jesus. And He will guard our thoughts from those things that would lead us away from Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit helps us to hear the truth. He helps us read the Bible. He helps us detect false teaching. And the Holy Spirit helps us hear the truth through Communal discernment of spirit-filled people. I've seen this so many times in my ministry. It's a room full of elders or with the ministers I work with or just in a small group. It's one reason why every week I'm preparing these questions for small groups. Because there is power when spirit-filled people get together and wrestle with text and pray and search for truth. The Holy Spirit anoints that. Let me give you an example in the Bible. So in Acts 15, the church is wrestling with the biggest controversy it will ever have. Just how big is the Bible? Is the Bible for every nation and every culture and every race just like they are? Or do you have to become a Jew to become a Christian? So they come together. Peter... And Paul reflect on their ministries and their experiences. James 
reads from the prophets. And they pray and they talk. And they come to the truth that the gospel is for all. And you don't have to become a Jew to be a Christian. And they write a letter to the churches. And I love what they say at the start of that letter in Acts 15. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. What they're saying is that somehow as we got together, as we prayed, as we wrestled with texts, as we told our stories, the Holy Spirit was anointing the process so that we came to the truth. That's why if you think the Holy Spirit's telling you to do something and none of your spirit-filled friends are hearing him say that, you need to go slow. Because the Holy Spirit helps us hear the truth through the community of faith of spirit-filled people. Because, I'll say it again, the conflict with our enemy, the one who wants to destroy your life, is primarily a truth battle. And Jesus has given you the Holy Spirit to help you win that battle. Now, some of you are thinking, well, I just hardly ever hear the Holy Spirit. And here's part of the problem. We have filled our lives with so much ambient noise, with so much clutter, and so much distraction, we often can't hear God when He speaks. Uh, Some of you are old enough to remember George Burns and his wife Gracie, and they used to do comedy routines together. And in one routine, Gracie asked for a repairman to come and fix her clock because she said, it won't give me the correct time. So he looks at it and he said, ma'am, there's nothing wrong with this clock. You just don't have it plugged in. She said, well, I'm trying to save electricity. I only plug it in when I want to know what time it is. (laughs) And you can see the problem with that. And some of us only plug into God when we have a crisis and we want a word. Instead of staying plugged in to the Father. We were supposed to live always in tune with the Holy Spirit. So that we can always stay on topic. And the topic is Jesus. Look at John 15. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify. About me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. And so the Spirit of truth is going to help us hear the truth. And Jesus said, The Spirit of truth is going to help us speak the truth. Now, here are the disciples in the presence of the resurrected Jesus. I'm sure they were ready to go and tell everybody, but The first command Jesus gave them was not go. The first command he gave them was wait. Go into Jerusalem and wait for the gift. He said in Acts 1 verse 8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's what happened. They're on Pentecost and the Spirit descends. And they are the least 
expected group in history to launch a worldwide movement. They've got no assets. They've got no money. They've got no political power. They've got no education. And they launched a movement that is still changing the world. Least expected. But most empowered. When that spirit descended and they began to proclaim Christ and the crowd gathered and they thought, what's gotten into Peter and these disciples? Wrong question. It's not what's gotten into them. It's who's gotten into them. And they start to proclaim with unnatural boldness and unnatural clarity because they have supernatural help. Just like Jesus promised. For example, go all the way back to Matthew chapter 10. Jesus said, when, not if, when you are arrested. Don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it's not you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. You see, it's very important to understand that Jesus has sent us the Spirit not just to help us walk, but to help us talk the way of Christ. Because the gospel needs words, not just actions. Now, for the next couple of minutes, I'm going to launch out into an area where I have great potential to be misunderstood, but I think it's worth the risk. Because I do believe, and I'm excited to see the passion for justice in the church today. To be people who do good. To be salt and light. And to do good works that glorify the Father. But what's happened, I fear, is that we have decided that if we will just be good examples the world will understand the gospel. And I don't believe that. I believe the gospel must be taught to be caught. And so you have a neighbor. And you decide in the name of Jesus you're going to be a good neighbor. And when he breaks his leg, you go mow his yard. And when his wife is sick, you carry food over. And when he gets cancer, you go see him in the hospital. And then he dies. What gospel did you preach to your neighbor? You preached a false gospel that's very popular in America. That if you'll just be nice and good, God will save you. Because God saves good people. And kindness does not wash away a single sin. Only blood does that. And what your neighbor needed was to know who Jesus is and why he came and what he did. And I think much of the evangelistic apathy in the church today is the sad and inevitable consequence of most of us living with no intimacy with the Holy Spirit. 
You remember the tragedy in 1912 of the sinking of the Titanic. When the iceberg gashed the hole, they sent out distress signals. And the closest ship, the SS Californian, was about an hour and a half away. Had she responded immediately, she would have gotten to the Titanic before she went down. But she never showed up. And so there was a congressional hearing and Senator William Smith of Michigan asked the captain of the SS Californian, why didn't you respond to the distress call? And he fidgeted and finally said, we were afraid. We were afraid of icebergs. So we had shut off our fires and we had no power. No fire. No power. No one was saved. And when the church quenches the fire of the Holy Spirit, she has no power. And no one gets saved. I believe when you live in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, His passions start to become your passions. And the Holy Spirit is passionate about lifting up Jesus so that all can come to Him. The Holy Spirit is the most seeker-sensitive person in the New Testament. And what you'll see as you read, especially the book of Acts, anytime anybody is filled with the Holy Spirit, the first thing they do is they start to talk Jesus talk. In Acts chapter 2, when they're filled with the Spirit, they start to proclaim the wonders of God and they lift up Christ. Acts chapter 3 and 4, Peter and John on the way to the temple see a layman. They heal him. He begins to jump up and down with joy and a crowd gathers. Peter starts to preach and this upsets the authorities. So they call him in to question them. That's where Peter made that great statement. Jesus is the only name under heaven by which men can be saved. But if you'll read right before that, it says Peter, full of the Holy Spirit. Later in that chapter, they're sent home. They're told not to talk anymore about Jesus under great threat. They get into prayer meeting. They start to ask God for boldness. The room shakes. They're filled with the Spirit. And they speak the word of God boldly. But maybe my favorite example is in chapter 7. And Stephen is preaching this powerful sermon about Jesus. And the religious authorities are getting angrier and angrier. Not sure what they're going to do with him. And then Stephen crossed the line. It says... Full of the Holy Spirit, he said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And they took him out and stoned him, filled with rage, not knowing how else to silence a man filled with the Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit has one curriculum. The exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 16 that he will glorify me. Because it's from me that he'll receive what he'll make known to you. See, the Holy Spirit wasn't given to you for your agenda. He was given to you for Christ's 
agenda. He is present. He's able. He is eager to help us do what, honestly, for most of us, doesn't come naturally. Witnessing is supernatural business. And we need help. And my observation is that most of us are not living secretly sinful lives. But we're living secretly Christian lives. And the Holy Spirit wants to help us walk and talk Jesus. He wants to add some fitness to our witness. He wants to give us the courage and the words to confront what is most wrong with the truth about what is most right. Because the truth is, Jesus is the truth. Jesus never said, believe that. Jesus said, believe me. Jesus made himself the issue. In fact, this whole discourse began with this incredibly controversial statement. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that is politically incorrect. But it's correct. Jesus is the way to God. He is the Son of God. He is the wisdom of God. And the Holy Spirit is going to help us stay on topic. And more and more this is becoming so clear to me. That Jesus is the issue. So recently I'm, I'm talking with a man who's saying, I'm struggling with faith. I don't know if I believe the Bible. I don't know if I believe all those stories. I don't know if I trust God. And he wants to talk about how old the earth is or what about dinosaurs. And finally I said, this isn't the issue. The issue is Jesus. Who was Jesus? Why did he come? I challenge you to investigate the evidence for his life and his death and his resurrection. And let's make up our mind about Jesus. I can tell you when it came true to me. So, about 10 years ago, I'm preaching in Africa. And I'm out in the bush of Zambia. About 400 people are gathered under three mango trees. I'm preaching all day long. Most of my audience is hungry because there's a drought and people are starving. 20% of the adult population is HIV positive. I remember still preaching and seeing a mother with a baby at both breasts because... One of the baby's mother had just died of AIDS. And as I preached, 
it became so clear to me that most of the arguments and controversies and angry emails I get from church people back home are luxuries that only rich Christians can afford. That in this moment, what matters is the message of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit took that truth from my head to my heart, and it has changed me. It's changed the way I read Scripture. It's changed the way I do ministry. The Bible says, you can't say Jesus is Lord without the help of the Holy Spirit. And we need help. So let's ask. Did you bow your heads, please? I'd like you right now to pray this prayer to God. Dear Lord, in the power and ministry of your Spirit, help Jesus become more true to me. And as I finish this prayer, would you stand? And if you're on a prayer team, would you take your place either down front or up in the balcony? So, Father, I'm asking right now that you help us embrace the truth of Jesus. There's somebody listening to me right now, and they're in a hard place. Life has been hard lately. And they need to know the gospel of Jesus and how he speaks to that there's somebody listening to me right now and they feel like they're in prison they're stuck in a place and they want to stop and they can't and they need the liberating power of Jesus there's somebody right now Father listening to me and they can't decide whether or not to make that decision and the Holy Spirit's tugging so God give them help to see this is the day that they cross the line they confess Jesus they get baptized we all need help God we live in a culture filled with propaganda and untruth and we swim in it so much we don't even sometimes realize how deep it is we need to orient our lives around the truth of Jesus so Holy Spirit Help us, please, help us, for Jesus' sake, amen. Don't stay where you are. This is the day to get help. We're here, we're waiting. Come to Jesus while we worship.